Hey listeners, it's Alex, your host of EOA, Entrepreneurs of Asia. Today we have part two of Alan Ding's interview. You can find part one linked below if you care to hear about his background. For part two, we get to hear more about the practical advice on software engineering and development and some of the principles that drive Alan and his company, Snappy Mob. Together, we cover what makes a good software engineer, possible strong signals to look for in software engineers, and what makes a great CTO. Also, is it possible for non-technical people to identify good software engineers? We dig deeper into other interesting topics like writing well, the importance of communication, shipping products fast versus technical debt, and snappy mob on owning successful products that couldn't really hit escape velocity. Let's dive right in. So let's let's jump into part two. Um, thank you for sharing your story. I, I want to talk a little bit about engineering. Okay. So how can you tell if a person is a good software engineer? I think it's... Well, number one, it's really tough to figure this out when you interview them. Mm. It, it just really is because you're looking for the wrong signals. But even for us, that's still what we end up having to do. Well, let's, so let's, let's break that down a bit because yep. even in Silicon Valley, right? Yep. I'm sure, what would, what would your critique be on their process and how they interview? And is that what you're saying true there as well? I think to some extent, yes. Because, I mean, you, you can read about it even you know today about just the typical hiring process of, you know. But you went through it, right? Interviews. Yeah, I, I went through it. I mean, I think in Silicon Valley, they aren't looking for what Snappy Mob is looking, honestly, during yeah. interviews. Um, That's fair. To be totally honest, you know, uh, if you're working at engineering-oriented company, which probably is most of them nowadays, they've they got a handful of very competent candidates, and I'm, I'm trying to filter out, optimize, and try yeah. to find the best um, yeah. person. And honestly, in Malaysia, OKL at least, that's not quite the same posture we're taking. We're actually more of, I've got a bunch of candidates who seem on paper, they might be pretty good. They mm -hmm. might have potential, maybe. Yeah. But we're really trying to filter out, you know, half of these people, you know, especially if we're looking for an experienced yeah. person, half of these people may not have a good enough background or self kind of interest to fit in this role mm -hmm. and then competency wise a lot of people in, in malaysia you'll tend to get this you know rate yourself you know seven out of ten i know <laughs> you know you see everyone's a world expert at yeah. java or javascript or whatever mm -hmm. and obviously that's not true and so we're really filtering out and trying to find the people that are reasonable and then optimizing and trying to find the best among these talented people actually what would those factors be if i boil it down those good software engineer um the the main quality I'd say that is a sort of long term is really that self-interest and drive. Um, okay. In, in software engineering, you know, as they care about what they do. How's that demonstrated? Um, so, at least in Malaysia, um, at least in terms of our own hiring so far, often the signal you can use are personal projects. So personal projects might be they've been working on their own apps. Uh, they've got some open source thing, but perfect. So like looking at their GitHub. Uh, yeah, but I'd hazard that sometimes these personal projects will be projects where they had to do it. So either ah. like maybe university, you know, everyone had to have a project or mm -hmm. coding bootcamp. It's there. Yeah, I'd say I personally treat that as a neutral signal myself. Neutral. Like okay. I, I don't but you're still looking at it. I used to look a lot at it. Nowadays, less so, because typically at that level, you, you, you won't really find anything super impressive per se, because the project is typically not their passion projects. You know, here's the project that's been assigned to you, or here's a template project that everyone 
who goes through the boot camp is sort of deriving from sort of a core thing. Um, and, you know, the, the frank truth is, if you've been a junior dev who's never been doing this in your own time or something, that would have two years of, three years of personal experience. So you never come across a junior dev who has a lot of public GitHub. Oh, we do. But, yeah, but the, that, that's where, you know, I'd say the projects, if they were more passion projects. Mm, passion projects. Yeah, then yeah. I, I really give that. That's a good signal. Good signal. Yeah, I, I almost say, at least for here, that that's a very outstanding signal where it really drives. And if you're looking for a senior, it's probably got to be mandatory then. Um, actually, no, because I'd say a lot of our devs, but I mean, the problem is we're looking for a signal. Yeah. We assume there is a signal, but the problem is I'd say sometimes that just isn't. Some of our best developers, you know, in terms of work ethic, in terms of how well they engineer stuff, they've never really had that opportunity to work on personal stuff. Um, and some have been really surprising, even in terms of their background and what they've worked on, right? Okay. They, they've lacked the opportunity to really display it but that doesn't dis um that doesn't disqualify them okay if i had to be really honest like here definitely not yeah honestly um they're, they're really diamonds in the rough at, at least for here um for, for us we we've seen enough so that if they're a bit more senior and they got some experience we, we do we do kind of look at their experience and so on like you know these yeah. are the technologies i've worked on this is my work experience here's some of the software projects or apps i've worked on but some, sometimes that's bad signal because you know, if an app is not so great, right? Is it their fault or is it the, the app is bad in terms of design? You know, they didn't design it, you know, yeah. and so on. So um, at, at least for us, we, we, we might not be as rigorous as some other companies, I think, mm -hmm. uh, at least in terms of that screening and calling you for an interview. But then uh, as soon as that interview, we're, we're pretty um, good and uh, we can rapidly figure out the aspects of uh, development or aspects of a software engineer. I mean, at this point, you've probably gone through hundreds, if not thousands of candidates. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, so you so, can see the patterns. Yeah. And um, at least in Malaysia, I think the candidates the don't game the interview or yeah. prepare or, uh, in terms of gaming, you know, so, you know, they don't go read. A do, do you find people who actually pre prepare overly and they, they can game? Because uh, I, I find some, that's wholly lacking in general. Some, some, <laughs> um, not much in terms of software. Yeah. Uh, developers actually yeah. um, it's not like they took a book and oh, here's how to pass an interview I, I actually did that myself Like but I think a lot of people that's right? what most people did probably yeah. in the states right yeah exactly exactly yeah. and here I, I find no uh, definitely not more just showing up right yeah more showing up um, I, I think we're lucky in the sense that if I get FaceTime with one of the applicants in terms of the competency level and so on we'll generally be able to figure the truth of it very quickly not even necessarily technical interview you know, whiteboard problem or anything yeah. like that yet but i i'd say at least my view of things here in terms of how we hire we, we really do look self-drive self-passion which one signal is personal projects that they can either show or talk about it's a really good signal just because of the dirt of it mm. compared to other people um, but that again that's not the only signal and so then um, it also comes down to if they lack that when we talk to them in terms of experience, yeah. it gets a bit harder to probe and you'll get duds. It's a difficult process. I generally don't get too technical myself. No, no whiteboarding? Not, not much. Oh, so you do a little bit? Uh, back, back before COVID, a bit more. Now just because it's <laughs> really, over Zoom, it's yeah. a bit tougher in terms of yeah. logistics. Um, but just having a casual conversation, uh, you, you very quickly figure out. Um, you get a good feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I'd say it's pretty educated 
because they don't game. Well, that's not what we've seen. They don't game it. And it's not necessary memorization. We, we don't really test for that, but describe this uh, kind of scenario, how, you know, you know, what's your experience with this kind of problem? And just based on their response to it, I, I'd say we're, we're probably good at picking up signal of when people really know what they're talking about. Um, and what we look for is really technical depth in a sense for a mobile app. You, you do a lot of UI engineering when you build a mobile app. So something and the question might be, you know, how would you sort of uh, design, you know, how everything goes. You're seeing how they think. Together, yeah. And yeah. then there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. Um, so based on that kind of discussion, then typically uh, you can kind of get a good feel for what they know. If, if they're in the top percent, though, what, what does their GitHub kind of look like? You know, are you still getting like, a, like many projects with a lot of forks or? Oh, um, actually, no, I think because, I mean, forking and how popular a project is, honestly, it, it, it might be a, a signal of how good they are at marketing, maybe. Really? Yeah, I, I think so. Because we don't expect you have a really popular open source project, you know, because, I mean, I'd be happy if they did, mm-hmm. but I'd say it's also very... It's just part of it, I guess. It's unlike un- it's unlikely it's to unlikely. get to that to that level, actually. Well, what about for your GitHub? Uh, I I don't code much anymore, but uh, I, I used that yeah. a pretty popular uh, project called Kiwi. So that was. Uh, so you're, you're the founder of Kiwi, or what is what oh, is I, Kiwi? Uh, oh, Kiwi is this open source uh, sort of uh, BDD. Or you can think of it as a TDD, a test driven development library. Okay, what for, does that mean uh, for iOS? Um, it's this development approach where. Uh, instead of jumping in and developing features and trying to cr- code up a solution, the approach you take is you actually write a test to validate what the solution needs to do first. And then um, when you write the test first, your solution starts out by failing every test because you've not written any part of the, the solution yet and then um, after you've written the validation or you know a test case for bits of the solution then then you build out bits of the solution so that's sort of a very different from a typical development approach where typically you just like start writing code and yes know, and then you build tests afterwards yep. yep yep and and so i've i've been at one extreme in terms of um the creator of a library that does testing that's that got pretty popular that was mm-hmm. integrated support was integrated into uh, xcode into uh, app code by JetBrains. it got a slide oh wow there's been a book written about it and uh it got featured on uh, if you go into wwdc the not the but, book was in, i mean that you know, seems on, pretty big yeah yeah like it, so then the project i made it open source worked with a lot of well-known personalities actually mm-hmm. um uh, on the project was know. that your most successful passion project yeah, it's a probably open source project. I mean, yeah. this is the only one where I really focused okay. on it. And you know, they got popular. Like nowadays, it's it's uh, less yeah. used just because of the the ecosystem has moved More on. Sure. Okay. Yeah, but it also actually kind of got me a job at Eugenic. You know, I that, see. Oh, so you talked about that in the interview. Yeah, the, 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 this was one thing that was highlighted and it, it's there for everyone to see that mm-hmm. this library if you go look you can see how it yeah. code and it definitely seems you're more prolific uh, around 2013 era a lot of a lot of your more popular yeah forks were, were from that time period yeah actually and even then that was after i was doing less on it already because mm-hmm. i developed it mostly in 10 and 11 i think and then yeah. at some point it got picked up by the community a lot and it was used like pretty widely mm-hmm. a lot of companies you know mm-hmm. about i think like at some point lyft used it and oh really so, yeah, I mean, it's just a tool. That's, it's yeah, it's just a tool. tool. Yeah. yeah. So, That's pretty fascinating, though. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty popular... I mean, th- there were three pretty popular testing yeah. solutions. Yeah. You'd use this was 
one of them. When you look at when look at assessing software engineers or potential candidates, yep. do you do you ever see if they do any writing? Uh, I'd say yes, but I. I think this is that one piece that's missing. If you ask me, what, what's the biggest skill I'd want to see? It's passion, you know. But skill-wise, I'd say, sort of uh, communication and writing in the abstract, not just. Okay, so you're seeing how they could put written thought, written thought structure like it in your native tongue, yeah. write an email, yeah. and communicate this, yeah. you know. Okay. And this is where most developers struggle with this mm. aspect a lot and but i yeah. think this is key because and then it is it's a bit abstract but when you develop code or whatever like you know your devs will think about maintainability or how clean you know whatever clean means uh, you know in quotes yeah and then a lot of it comes down to communication if you want to be yeah. very technical about it you're communicating with the machine or you're communicating to your fellow developers or yourself in the future and, yeah um you know and along, i guess yeah so so writing is basically a proxy to kind of yeah yeah see how you communicate yeah and right? that comes along with all the other stuff along with it which is you know empathy you know you're writing for other people you know, how you name things how you you know how someone uses this thing you you wrote that's a confluence of a bunch of useful traits. Yeah, because I, I came across your, your Medium account, but I was hoping for some juicy, well-written articles, but I oh, couldn't like, find any posts. I, I, almost don't, <laughs> I almost don't even remember a Medium account, but I, I am... I am um, you have a blog, though. You have a micro blog, but also the company blog, I mean. The oh, company okay. blog is more prolific. I, actually, you know what? Well, um, yeah, the company blog, I, I, I've written one or two, or contributed to one, just one or two little tiny parts mm. of it. It's mostly... Um, the team. The team. And, but... I am I'm working with um I, I'm working on resuscitating, you know, this writing. Yes, doing doing a bit more writing and training. I, I, I would I need to do that as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I actually started here, yeah, I'll I'll do a plug. Um so one of our co founders of the company, his name is Vito. Okay. So, so I'm I'm trying to do this pair blogging thing with Okay, him. interesting. Okay. And How does that work? Um, we, we had the first post out last week. Where can I find it? Um, VitoChin.com. Okay, VitoChin.com. Yeah. Vito's like an awesome guy. Vito sounds Italian. <laughs> he, uh, well, well, that, that's not the most interesting part of his name. Like his, his name is actually Vito uh, Brain. Vito Brain. Chin. Not Vito Brian. Brain Chin. Okay. okay. Like Brain. With the spelling Brain. Definitely. Okay. okay. Vito is a senior uh, architect at Microsoft Singapore. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a proper hardcore guy. Like you go, you can go read this blog. He's one of the co-founders of the company. So, so we thought it'd be a good idea to do this, do this pair blogging thing where okay, we'd have not podcast, but kind of me and him will blog on his blog, mm -hmm. talk about something techy, some techy fair, thing. Fair I think. Yeah. And then we'll do the same on mine. Yeah. But of course, that it is necessary for me to have yeah. a blog again before that. Uh, I mean, I, de I definitely came across a lot of famous programmers yeah, and, and yeah. they, a lot of them are very good writers. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. actually, I, I honestly, the, the ones I respect the most, and yeah. I think this actually did come about um, from my experience with Peter, who was that lead consultant from mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. He was, um, I, I'd say he's the best writer that I personally know. Like, I actually know this Yeah, you actually person. know the guy, yeah. I, I didn't appreciate it at first, but now and back then over time was when i would really come to appreciate yeah writing. figure out this is uh this is that skill that it's a really important it, skill yeah and i'm not good and i need to improve it improve it you know yeah. and you need 
focus mm. you know and yeah. uh and y- you can go read his blog hingens.com it's really h-i-n-t-j-e-n-s.com com. yeah um he's passed away from cancer but if you go read his blog his writing is this uh, top notch and uh, because i worked with him so closely i know how effortless it was for him for him which is why i'm very envious mm. um it's it's hard it's a, it's a skill you have to develop exactly yeah, yeah. and yeah. he's a, he has a very interesting background because he's again I, I kid you know so we were in texas richard richardson i guess in some bar and i don't know how it came about or whatever but you know well peter you're, you're really smart you know and he's yeah you know i'm a, you know i'm a genius you know? <laughs> he, he he was not really um humble humble i guess but yeah i'm a genius you know you know he has my mensa membership <laughs> no and then he has the proof <laughs> he shows you his yeah. men, mensa membership and I'm, yeah, okay that's fair <laughs> that's, that's fair you know yeah, um, yeah so so yeah really interesting character but he, he really made me appreciate like, writing how important it is and yeah. communication as a whole with for developers um that we try to instill your job is actually communication you just don't realize it yeah necessarily you know you're very focused on this one Mm-hmm. aspect of it but if you want to get to this top level to just just think of all the personalities that you follow in, in tech in the tech circles and whatever you know all the stuff you read and so on you yeah. know that's the people who are really good who don't write or don't share yeah they're still really good but mm-hmm. they're probably not people you follow because the, the the obvious ones that you follow that you are a fan of that you know you respect them so much they're out there you know they've created stuff they've written stuff you can if you go back often you can see their early stuff was yeah. not as good as of course the current stuff yeah, yeah. and that's a that's why that's such an important skill yeah because uh your work will get better correct like, yeah it just uh it simply will you know so so you you have to have passion projects you have to communicate well. Yeah, your, your yeah. writing has to be good. Yeah, sometimes with communication, we, we do get people who, you know, I'll, I'll say literally, first minute I talk to them, okay, they, they probably have technical background. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, they went to Berkeley. Okay, fine. However bad they are, if they got through that, they're probably okay. okay. Yeah, okay yeah, enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, because there's, uh, there's definitely a minimum to pass. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's that threshold. Okay. And so, um, so I, I don't want to focus on that. In the first minute, literally, I kind of have the intuition. Yeah. yeah, they're probably a lock. Give them an offer already yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's only just because of how unique that experience is yeah. because often that doesn't happen and i'll start talking oh tell me about this project and then they, they can just describe the no problem thing or anything they, they just describe yeah. the problems they solve and so you obviously know okay they they're, they're really good at making it up in which case it's still kind of okay i guess <laughs> um you know or you know they, they know what they're doing you know for their level correct, correct, correct. yeah yeah and then first two in malaysia it's often relative someone here yeah readjust a bit and look more for a potential how well they their thought process is. so, so you, you would actually get bonus points if they were very active on stack overflow then because they would be writing oh, answering yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right yeah i mean if, if they were i mean that that's very high signal ratio right someone's asking a question and you know they're answering it it, it could even yeah. like be not quite a good answer but good enough what what does a good stack overflow profile look like so you have a 1323 reputation what does that mean Oh, that, that's actually really low now. So I'm not really active. On second, yeah. But back then you got points by answering, answering. questions for yeah, the most yeah. part. Gamified it. Yeah, gamified a bit. And nowadays, that's a lot more. You, If you're a moderator, you get points. If you, okay. you know, moderate things, if you're the first person to do this, if you... It, so it's more of a, an amalgamation of you know being active. Active, and, yeah. And, yeah. It's an early engagement now, okay. I think. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not to detract anyone. But there's also a quality aspect to it. Too. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. And then... Um, 
I think so, so back then, at least, at least for myself, you know, I, I get points for, this was when I was into answering stuff, I guess, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Now, nowadays not quite as, as much, but um, so I, I'd answer a few questions about some iOS development topic. And I guess just one or two good answers yeah. over many years, somehow you just get a bunch of points. But you got high reach though, you know, for, for you only answered, I think, yeah, 10, yeah. 10 answers, but you had like 62K reach, which means a lot of people are reading it. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I think one of them, um, I wrote an answer to it. Even, I think even today, if you go Google, It'll pop like, up. how do you use this, this thing, right? Yeah. Uh, or when to use this thing, yeah. then there'll be the your, first answer. answer. So maybe yeah. that's why. That so that's the one I kept on populating. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's I, good. I guess, I guess that helps people. But that's that kind of question that if, if one of your devs did manage to answer thing yeah. to that level, that's the kind of signal that'd be really good. Cause yeah, okay. From a day-to-day job perspective, you'd never really need to understand that part yes i mean it's not not about the answer itself but what they're doing right? yeah yeah to get there like i you had to dive pretty deep into understanding this aspect of ios development which yeah. versus your day-to-day which is you know build a few screens implement some logic you know yeah like, even if you'd be doing lots and lots of different projects that's pretty good thing if someone has shown some indication of i know this thing more than most people um that i think it does indicate they're able to go pretty advanced in one topic yeah which is indicative that they can probably do the same for you know different problems Mm -hmm. so that that's also pretty good i think so if if i'm hearing this correctly there is some hope if you're not from a technical background to being able to identify a good software engineer by looking at their their passion projects looking at their communication yeah yeah. and looking at some of these signals we're talking about yeah and especially to at least to me would be really good they they really just rise up the pile yeah. In terms of like, you know, this is someone I, I need. The probabilities already are increasing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, there's enough signal there that sometimes if you look at a GitHub project, personal project, yeah. right? If you look at it, I guess it'd be a bit difficult if you're not technical. But if you looked at it and you got help from someone who's technical, or myself, yeah. or looked at it, I'd be like, okay, if they, if they worked on this themselves, yeah. okay, they are better than the team you already have. So go hire them if they are mm. a character fit. That, that's actually very easy to see because if they really have to, you need then. a technical background to do that, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you kind of look at it, and um, you'd be able to tell. But then, yeah. then you evaluate yeah. for different. Theory. So that's that's the tricky part for non. I mean, so you you have techniques to increase probability, but at the end of the day, you will never know for sure unless you can find someone you think you trust. And how would you identify that person then? Yeah, so I guess that's where if you have you know co-founder that's technical, te- te- technical. But you, you have to blindly trust them still. Yeah, you, you, it's faith, right? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I think that that's also the difficult part because if it's if you're coming from a position of you have a co-founder that's technical, but they also have just two years of experience, you know, to be fair, they might also not have yeah a good sense of things. It's just it's a force of function of time. Yeah. If yeah. we're the nature of engineering, yeah, yeah, there's and just some things you have to get over experience. Yep, exactly. exactly. And that intuition is very hard to develop without ex- yeah. experience. And I, I think that maybe a good thing here is uh, we, we've seen it over the years because we've been here eight years now that that pool of people, the ecosystem, number of companies, whatnot has been on the rise. From your assessment, this is what you're seeing. Oh, it's very tangible, really clearly. Yeah. Um, and uh, can you make a broader statement to the region or just what you're seeing here? Um, I'd say, I'd say region for sure, but that's not 
because of personal experience, this is more from observation. Okay. But every, every time I go to Singapore, if I happen to be in some technical conversation, I mean, yeah. they've got top-notch people just in general. You know, yeah. Very strong people. I mean, there, there's a few big tech companies who actually have software teams here in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so yeah. I mean, it, it yeah, does like, make sense. I mean, I mean uh, you know, unlike Malaysia, where you know all, all these companies, they, they have a sales presence here, you know? Yeah, I think uh, very few have technical teams here. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, if I was going to establish a base in the region, you know, and, you know, this is an R&D presence. To some extent, it, it, you have this clear difference in access to talent yeah. in Malaysia versus Singapore. So why go for Malaysia? I mean, if, if you don't have any other strings pulling you in this direction that, you know, incentives or emotional or cost, or cost. I, I think cost maybe depending on your kind of market, but then again, if you're a very successful... If you're yeah. a lot of money, then yeah. yeah. You're just going to go for Singapore, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, because in the end, for, well, for a large enterprise company, that cost is negligible anyway. Yeah, fair you know, enough. It's, yeah. it's nothing, right? But the startup world's very different. In startup world, yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah. But even then, you know, that, that risk of talent, I guess. Um, and I'm not saying this to be... To, to be fair, you're based here. Yeah. Malaysia, I, yeah, right? yeah, so, so you have some credibility, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just say it, it'd be obviously... A lot easier in terms of talent to access a larger pool and also probably more competition you know? yeah but you're saying general competency you know not whether you're a nice guy or not you know, general, yeah, yeah, general, yeah. what do they know and you know how how well-rounded their experiences i'd say that'd be clearly a big difference uh, versus here you know, what we expect here yeah. you know um you know paper sometimes you get candidates who are really really good at software engineering and computer science and yeah they, they can't answer really basic things you know, fresh out of school. It's because they're fresh, right? Or what? Well, 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 fresh out of school, I expect the stuff you learned in school to still be there. Yeah, correct. And sometimes, That's even though, you know, A plus, you know, whatever, it's... Um, they were just doing it for doing it and not really yeah. caring about it probably, right? Yeah, or, or not... And that's why I don't really blame them because I, I don't, I've never been in those shoes, you know. If, if, if you took whatever course and it was just boring us, not... The content was like yeah. not engaging or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you don't even know that that's supposed to be interesting. You know? that's, why, that's why you talk about passion projects. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah, look, if I see someone with a really good passion project, you know, and when I say really good, I don't mean it has to be really successful or even the code that's really good because yeah. I, I don't expect anyone who's been coding for like two years to yeah. to write really good code, yeah, honestly. Yeah. They, you just don't know yet yeah, yeah, yeah. what it means. But if you can see that energy put in and trying to solve problems. That, that, that's that, the most important thing. Solving, they were yeah. chasing solving a problem and getting somewhere learning and yeah, growing. Yeah. Right? And our, our best people will be people who either didn't complete school or academically nothing outstanding per se. Yeah. But they're just so good and inspiring because you have this project they worked on mm -hmm. um, and that translates to when they work on our projects, same thing. They'll have to drive. You don't, yeah, yeah. You don't need to push them and tell them, hey, this is important. You know, they'll, they'll want yeah. to solve it well because you mm -hmm. don't need to tell them. It's yeah. important to you know solve this in a good way or something that they want to, they have yeah. to. You know, and it's a lot easier to deal with that. True. Yeah. So, we, so we identified what is a good potential software engineer, some yeah. certain signals. Yeah. What makes a, a great CTO versus a good CTO? I feel... Uh, it's very self-serving to answer this because I'm nominally our CTO as well. And I, I guess let's say, you know, we have to help some other company find a CTO or something yeah. like that, okay. which yeah, we, we kind of have actually yeah. like, helped. Um, I'd say, again, it depends on the type of company. Uh, hey, are you hiring CTO for our kind of company? You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very company. different, actually. You're right. It's this product company, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
I'd say that that's the foundational stuff, which is what does the CTO do? At some startups, it might be glorified coder, you know, the only coder or yeah. the lead coder or whatever. So definition's wrong. Or different right. definition, sorry. It's not yeah, so yeah. wrong. Different need. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point of the life cycle for that company, that's that's the that's the job, you know, they, yeah. they are focused on that. That's, that's so a that. really good point. So when you're thinking about what is a good or great CTO, you have to think about the life cycle and what yeah. applies and the problem in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a, a lot of people think, oh, CTO is the person who can do with computers or code or whatever. And that, that can be actually fine for that early stage. For a certain early stage, yeah. yeah. Early stage. Um, but then you got to think of, well, what, why do you think you need a CTO? What's their role, right? Because, you know, that kind of maps to what you want them to be yeah. good at. So first thing I'd say is um, they'll be in charge of culture, you know. Culture, okay. Right. Um, of the team. Yeah, because cu- culture is this thing, you know, it's, it's very high leverage, uh, meaning. Are, are you saying general culture or culture of technology? Well, I, I think the general culture, they have to fit as well. But then yeah. culture in terms of technology, which probably for most startups or companies will cover software development yeah it might cover a lot of companies we've seen it covers product development as well which is a bit unfortunate meaning product management so so you already so you're making a good point so you're saying culture of technology but sometimes because of the if it's an early stage yep. um, there is a separate function that they might have to pick up which is not always well, maybe not with their skill set right yeah, but, no, but they I, still have to do product actually, right? i actually say that that's the most uncommon skill set that product that, yeah, to find, yeah. but that, <laughs> yes. that's the thing that no matter how senior or junior someone is, it, it's almost not a function of how senior, you know, how much experience you have, the amount of care you have for empathy. product. Yeah, empathy and really wanting to do a good job. Yeah, that that's something that sometimes we have to drill, put into the heads of mm. our team members. This this button is obviously in the wrong place. Why is you know, why is a team of four senior people and six? Uh, mid-level people why does this seem the more people there are on this team the more lax the product becomes you know yeah so it's part of culture yeah, right? yeah. so being responsible for culture yep um yep. from a technical yep. standpoint yep. uh picking up a product piece as well yep yep and then um, i'd say apart from that cto i mean they'll, they'll be generally be the person making technology choices in, okay so what general. kind of technology to build out the product yeah and that really you know, they'll often be the entire stack, meaning like level things or high-level technology choices. What kind of platform and programming languages, and library, you know, and tooling and style, style, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then style would be more on the low levels of, you know, what's your coding style? Or what's important? Is is there any style? What do you want to enforce in terms of, you know, how? So, so it's things? very broad. Yeah, very, and, very and broad. So it's really broad, and so the struggle is that there's the function of experience that I think you need to have. Yeah. Um, and not only just experience. One, you, you must care, obviously, if you want to be good. You yeah. know, if you don't care, then no matter what, it doesn't matter. But um, if the CTO has had lots of exposure, doesn't necessarily mean their own work per se, but they've really encountered lots of stuff from reading, so projects they participate in, open, open source or whatever. But they, they, they have a lot of experience in terms of how things are done in different contexts. Um, yeah. I think that's important because when you're, for example, if you're a startup, right, you deal with lots of problems that are new to you Yeah. every day. That's Correct. what you're dealing with. And really, you, you know, you're trusting your CTO. Do this in a fashion that is viable for us. Yeah. You know, can they do it or not? Well, you know, experience helps, obviously. Yeah. How smart they are kind of helps. How good they are at sort of having that proactiveness and i'm well I, I don't know this but you know 
I can research it and really try to figure it out, you know? Uh, initiative. Yeah, that initiative. Yeah. yeah. Um, to do it. And then the, the initiative pairs really well with experience and intuition when you got more of it as well. You can iterate to good enough a lot yeah. quicker and more safely. That's more of the technical stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the technical chops. Yeah. And then uh, you also, I think most of what we've seen, uh, they're usually also in charge of process for development. Okay. Pro- yeah. So, yeah. um, Using agile or yeah, using agile or you know, scrub whatever code review like yeah, yeah code reviews you know yeah. so high levels you know development methodology and then you yeah. know lower levels you know how are reviews done do we do reviews when do we do it you know how do we deploy and stuff like that yeah and so and then yeah there, there's all these skill sets just both skill and experience that you'd want them to be good at and for your CTO I mean if you're talking about a really experienced person it's a lot easier for them to check this boxes. But if you're a startup and you know you have your partner, or the people you have access to, they're not ex- experienced, right? I don't think it's a showstopper because again, the main thing is yeah, yeah, you can go learn, you know. You can learn. You will evolve. You either will keep up or you don't. Yeah, right? exactly. And yeah. some people get—I'll use the word "good." Some people get good really fast. Okay. If they care. Yeah. We've seen that. Like, yeah, yeah, Someone yeah. just just jumps. Yeah. Know, one year and all of a sudden they, and they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. And so, so I think. That's really good signing, um, and then finally, um, for CTO, you know, unfortunately, for the most part, they have to interact with people. I, I yeah, I was hoping you would say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's 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 tough for a lot of devs. I think that's very critical, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's critical. Yeah, it is like because you're coordinating not even your team internally, but across up yeah, and yeah. down, like all well, around your customers, users. Well, I, I think companies where the CTO ends up being more of a technical role, right? Yeah, a person. The man behind the curtain kind of thing. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. And uh, it's very toxic. It's really, yeah, truly yeah. not conducive to a kind that's of tough. culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that speaks back to the culture piece. And I guess all those elements you talk about of what makes a great CTO, yeah. you know, you, as you said, depending on your stage, ideally, if you get all of them, that's great. But, you know, if not, hopefully you can grow into them and then be measured against those. And yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you take the example of, look, um, we got to compromise. You, you can't get someone with experience. Yeah. A, a lot of commercial experience, maybe, because you're early stage or you, you, you just got buddies or whatever, right? Yeah. Then what do you look for? Then I'd start looking for people that really care because cultural, that, that, that culture that they will sort of uh, bring into the team yeah. or disseminate to other team members um, that sort of drive. I think that, that stuff that, again, it's, it's very orthogonal to experience. Mm-hmm. And so even if, they don't have too much experience, but you can see that in them. I think that's something that kind of checks one of the boxes. Mm-hmm. Again, because you're not looking for perfect, you're looking for good enough CTO, probably. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully it can become great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, so that check the boxes. And then I'd say, if you're non-technical, you're at a disadvantage, but it, it's good if, even if they are not that experienced yet, that you can see that, you know, they, they are techy and they, they, they've got, they, they've got a foundation so really good. Looking at the things that increase the probability we yeah. talked about earlier. Yeah. yeah. They'd have to have those signals. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, I think you can actually be a good CTO with development experience, especially when, Interesting. when you get yeah. to a later stage. In well, I guess that's fair. Like, so, cause you might have someone who's just focused as the tech side, like VP of tech or something, or I don't yeah, know yeah. if it's the role tech lead. Yeah. Right? yeah. Engineering. Maybe. Engineering. Yeah. Engineering. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and uh, so maybe they are focused on that. But then, I mean, at more established companies, CTO, the, yeah. the most important kind of decision they might make is, 
what's the approach for a solution for this part of the project? And that, mm. that's the most impactful thing, thing they do, not develop not code. The, yeah, not the implementation. Like that, you know? Or tell the team, you know, what what to use for this. That's it, you know? Yeah. And that's probably... But it's also like, tell the team what to use, but they have to have a buy-in, they have to believe it. Yeah, yeah. They have to be communicated in the right way. Yeah, and so that, that's why, I mean, obviously, if you're a really good developer, it really helps buy-in. I, I guess in the world of tech, yes, right? Because yeah. people will, a lot of junior developers will look up to that tech yep, yep. kind of guy who's the authority where they could learn from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so I mean, I guess, yeah, that's, that is a shortcut, but it lots of times that shortcut could be the weakness if they haven't developed the other aspects we talked about. Yep. Right. Yep, so then that, that's part of the growth, I guess. Yep, definitely. So, so let's, uh, we talked about what's a good engineer, what's a great CTO. What are your thoughts on shipping fast and accumulating debt versus ensuring quality and moving slower? Right. So, so I got two perspectives on this. So one is at least for our client projects, the business needs of the clients that we have in, uh, for their projects. Okay. And at least in our experience, obviously, right? If you think about it, the answer is, I want it as soon as possible. I of course, it's it always the same conversation. Like, obvious, yeah. like who, who's going to say, I don't really need it. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Year. So that's sort of almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think we're a bit more pragmatic now where this client needs something on the market by the state and there are other levers and gears that have made that decision. And then the team we're dealing with the problem of deliver something and you know deliver it the best it can be. This is typically the constraint we're actually working. And if you know those dates can't move, and we always talk to clients and say, hey, can we have a bit more time for this? To fulfill the requirements, that's always obvious, but then do it well. You know? And so that's the less tangible part. And then uh, often there's, you know, when things are not viable, we talk yeah. about, look, um, this is not going to happen. Do we de-scope a bit? Yeah. Or do we kind of push the timeline a bit? And the, the reason I kind of frame this as a separate scenario is because this just comes up time and time again for yeah. uh, client projects. I mean, the, the reason why I bring it up, because in the world of Silicon Valley and startups, yep. uh, even VCs, yep. it's a high signal if you can ship fast. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And some of the best products I've been using, so like uh, the software I'm using for, for editing the podcast, yep, yep. Descript, they just ship amazingly fast. Yeah, yeah. They solve the problems like I haven't seen. So like, is it possible to ship fast with no debt or in a way that massively reduces debt? Because I mean, you're talking in a client uh, right. agency relationship but i mean in a world where it could be life or death or you need to blitz scale or right. you know like we're talking about high growth yep i mean i, I feel like you know wh where is this right and wrong right um i think it is possible to ship fast and deliver rapidly but you pick your battles which uh, basically means tighten the scope be really narrow in what you do um when we do client projects we actually talk to clients about this as well, which is, especially if you have more startup -y. here's your laundry list of yeah, correct. what you need. And if, you, if this is if this is not in the product, does it fail? Literally everyone we talk to, corporate or startup or whatever, they'll see, oh, this is our MVP. This is an MVP. So essentially now we're the scope and you can move faster. Well, I, I think you move at the same speed, but um, you'll, you'll be more realistic in a sense because if the team is working just non-stop anyway, right? They're, almost unhealthily they, yeah. they work at a certain rate you, you can't because well because there's the client notion that if you if you just whip them harder they'll they'll crank out faster but that's not true no no i mean how does that work then for people to understand i mean let's say if you're saying typical hours for this region you know eight hours a day kind of thing um 95 96 whatever you know somewhere around that range that's probably very reasonable and typical also 
what I've seen around the world, you get a good amount of productivity. It's very fuzzy productivity, but you know, things that need to get delivered for the most part get delivered on time if you if you have uh, realistic expectations. And if you push your team harder, you can. You know, you if they work more, you get more out of it. And quality will suffer, or do you think it could be stable if depending oh, quality suffers? Yeah, yeah, quality suffers. You get diminishing returns. But yeah. I mean, if your goal is get these features out sooner and develop it sooner, and if there's a bug that affects one percent of users, you know, but is Accepted, a yeah. big challenge to solve. Honestly, from a business perspective, I'd be well. The responsible thing to do is ship it. But then the more you push your team, you know, the, it plateaus. You get people who burn out, quit, burn out. You get quality yeah. that's less good. So it's, it's what you're telling me, it's almost an inescapable paradigm. Yeah. The trade-off of speed and quality. Yeah. You just, you know, if you're shipping really fast, but, you know, I, no, that no matter what, even if on the surface a product feels and looks great, yeah. feels flawless from a you know, UX perspective, you're telling me massively behind there's a big pile of debt that's not been paid yet. Yeah, well, you, you definitely build up debt. I mean, I've never seen any project that doesn't have debt, even the best project that yeah. has like so much debt, but the rate if that will increase the more you kind of push your timeline, push your team, that's, you don't escape that. And from the yeah. CTO perspective, again, if I had my CTO hat on here, I might say, you know what? I don't care. Just roll. The, yeah. I only care when the debt affects the business, the business, right? And to be fair, a lot of blitz scaled Silicon Valley companies have done this. And they got to a point where they had to revamp everything after being a billion dollar company. Yeah, with, so what? I don't care. Like, yeah. So, number one, I have money then. Number two, someone else is doing it. It's not like I'm staying yeah, awake because yeah, yeah. of it. So, you know, so what, right? Okay. So how, how does, uh, how does that fit in with your philosophy then? Um, oh, well, at least for us, we're a bit pragmatic about business, especially clients where they can make a decision. Yeah. And we'll say, are you sure you need this? Really? Yeah. Are you sure you, you need this thing? Cause yeah. you pay us for it. People work on it. It just yeah. makes things more complex to. So, so it's a very silly notion as a CTO coming in to be just holding on to the notion of it has to be a certain way, quality and no building debt. Yeah. I mean, it just it really depends on the situation, I, I, right? I think it's good to have that as the North Star. I, I don't want to compromise. Yeah. Things need to be really good. If they start from there, I think it's pretty good in the sense that you know they, they care. Your job is really not to do the best job ever within the context of business. It's really... Uh, with all these other constraints of marketing, sales, you know, money, whatever it is, to yeah. do a good job that buys us time or opportunity later, yeah. you know, and that's what you're optimizing for. You're, yeah, you know, you're, you're, it, it can't be purely from a only tech view. Yeah, yeah, you have to be very holistic and look at the whole ecosystem to make that kind of decision, yeah, especially as a CTO. Yeah. When, when the push or pull. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I, I mean, it's good if they innately have that passion. You know, but it, that's not easy, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's toxic if if you become the person that's every single thing has to be done right at the expense of everything yeah. else. Then you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah, you're not monetizing your yeah. technology culture. You know, correct. You're yeah, leveraging yeah, yeah. it. You know, it's it's that's, helping that's you fair. get somewhere. Yeah, that's, I think that's a tough framework, and it's almost an art. You know, it's balancing between so many different moving parts and taking risks trying to make calculated risks yeah yeah, yeah. and it's, it's it's always gonna be hard to say what's right or wrong until yeah. maybe even decades later and still not even be, might be clear yeah, right? yeah and sometimes sometimes you're you're just picking from a bad set of choices sometimes yeah. you, you really don't have many options yeah. and you just you're just trying to figure out what won't hurt you like really badly 
at this point in time. Fair enough. Yeah. Are we going to skip the story story of Peter Hinchens? Yeah, or? yeah well, I'll save. I need I need some content for my future blog. You know. Okay, fine. You know, <laughs> so I'll I'll pull I'll pull a quote from the blog that you wrote though. Okay. Uh, which is kind of tied to the story, I guess. Right. But uh, I'm sure if someone Google's, they, they might find it. Right. If it yeah. Unless you remove it after this. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but you said software isn't about code. Software is about people. Oh yeah. yeah. So can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Well, actually, this. Is, like, I didn't come up with this. Uh, this is uh, Peter. Peter Hinge. Oh, Peter. Okay, yeah. that, that's his quote. That's his quote. Um, yeah. And so now, now I appreciate it more. Um, and I'm sure non-technical people appreciate it. Um, the the hardest thing in the business, in the business of this software development, the technology that is related to software. Um, a, a lot of technology problems are somewhat commoditized now. Meaning, you you pay money, you can solve them. But, um, but if you're building your own startup company and so on, one one problem that just keeps coming up over and over again in terms of software development, product development is uh, people. Uh, in, in fact, software, it's almost nice. There's a problem and you've got this very structured set of requirements or formal requirements. Yeah. Like it has to do this. It's tangible. Yeah, it's very You tangible. either can do it or you can't. Yeah, it's very easy to and say like yes yeah. or no, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to do it, but either in the end, it's yeah. going to happen or not. Yeah, as long as right? it's viable. It's, yeah. you know, it's a function of putting resources and, you know, at some point, maybe it can get done. But the toughest part is really the people aspect to it. Find, finding the right the people who are good enough to build, you know, hire the right people. But then uh, the next challenge is you, know, you hired five really good people. It's a it's surprising. Like I I seen like companies that just expect hire five good devs, okay, go do work, go build stuff. Yeah. And they expect things to happen and uh, without doing the, yeah, the management or the yeah any kind of coordination or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. if you're lucky, two good devs, they work together, they pump out stuff, mm. they change the world. Possible. Yeah. Three. Less. Less likely. <laughs> Four. Less possible. Like you know, yeah, every yeah, single yeah. person, you know, makes it less likely. And it's a team sport. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And but that's the thing. A, a lot of devs typically will be, uh, you know, more on the introverted side. Will have certain characteristics. If they're good devs, might other personal characteristics that make them less good in terms of uh, collaboration. Yeah. Sometimes. And uh, so I guess that that's a challenge, which is uh, on a typical challenging software project the, the the top part is not really writing the software per se because you can get like really great coders and so on but i mean everyone will converge to good standard yeah and yeah. uh um and it's not to take away like you know really good coders it's, it's not very easy to fight of course yeah. they are really good and you, you know you could do practice for 10 years and not be as good as them yes you know? But uh, coordinating the efforts, because typically a large problem, no matter how good they are, they, they can't just do everything by themselves. Yeah. And then the problem becomes... What about people then? People. Yeah. Coordinating the efforts. You know, I've got four good people. Now I've got the even yeah. tougher problem of making sure they work well together. They work They work on different things. Yeah. You know, they talk to each other and yeah. so on. And that really is people kind of management. Yeah. yeah. Because the reason why that quote stuck out to me, because do, do you remember um, that back when Google had that uh, internal manifesto fiasco. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. right. So, and then the, one of the responses from the, the, one of the, I guess, managers or senior yep. leaders there was, you know, uh, he was very insightful where he said, uh, you know, at some point, as you rise through the ranks as an engineer, yep. you, you, your titles are first letters and numbers, and yep. then they start just becoming words. Yep, yep. Right. But in order to become words, it's because you have to be good at people because someone's thinking for you. Yep. Right. And I thought it was a pretty good response to, to the, 
the misunderstanding of that that one guy had, right? So, yeah. and that, that quote just you know yeah, kind of stuck yeah. out I to mean, me of being the same. And then you know if you're talking about like CTO even uh, at a larger organization, right? You you start you know your job shifts more towards culture process people, yeah. and that's it. You know you, you can find really good engineering guys, pay them mm-hmm. pay them money, I guess. But same goes like in scaling up the company because we we've grown. You know before we had. 10 and then we had 20 and then you know 30 40 and so on each time we scale the at our scale still there's every single individual have different characteristics mm, would you say it's a uh, trying to corral cats or <laughs> yeah it, everyone's very independent yeah, and like very then. very independent yeah different minded people with different experiences and practices from past so yeah. take, take your whole career experience. You weren't always in leadership. Now, if you look back now, mm-hmm. or even when you were in leadership, is this something that, that's always consistent across all teams and companies and countries? You know, I, I can see it now where I do appreciate my, well, a lot of my ex-bosses. You could learn from them, from yeah, how yeah. to handle yeah, how, keeping the team together yeah. and being a leader. Yeah, exactly. And I'd say back then you wouldn't appreciate it because it's just, you know. You're in, the, you're in the grind. You're doing you're in the it. grind, right? Yeah. You don't see what they're doing, whatever. Um, and But now you do. But now they're doing do. a lot of thinking for you. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah. they're directing you very well. Especially for tech, right? Yeah. They're doing that thinking for you so you could just focus and be productive. Yeah, exactly. Because if you were to do it, you'd probably just be all over the place and not, not yeah. be as efficient, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what, I'm, that's what I do now. I just, I'm just i just not productive <laughs> at all. And uh, But yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing I appreciate the most, I think, because I, I can see now, you know, they were really got stuff done, but yeah. they were helping you. But I'm sure sure you done. can go back and talk to them on that level now. And yep. I'm sure you do, right? You, you stay in touch yeah. with them and you learn from them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, each other guys like you know, I, I relish when I get to like chat about them about like development business topics this is very interesting now now I understand a bit more this side of things yeah and uh, it is very different actually that, that was like the biggest challenge ongoing challenge even today in yeah. terms of like dealing with this part of the business I think all founders all yeah. entrepreneurs definitely face that yeah yeah right so yeah Okay, so let's close off with one last topic. Do you, do you want to talk about the time you guys were owning products or do you want to talk about design? Maybe. Let's pick products just since you mentioned it first. Sure. Because uh, before, back in 2015, yep. you kind of shifted. You were agency, then you wanted to build your own products. Yep, yep. And even today, I guess you also have hybrid model where you have clients, but you also do have products. Yep. I mean, back then, yeah, we were doing products. That was, uh, you know, the initial things the founders wanted to do as well, which is like... Um, we we also want to make like really successful apps and stuff. And were you inspired from your stuff. previous experiences? Um, I wouldn't say inspired, but we were really into it because okay, you know, we were uh, you know, into apps in, yeah in general. That's why we so you did. wanted to just build really great apps with scale and yeah, big yeah. yeah exactly and and so um, but we we had no well, maybe I should say I had no business experience you know, experience a sense of like what to do like you know how to market things and but you were able to pull the product together. You saw a problem. Yeah, we, 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 we could we could build a product, uh, you know, and you did right. Saved, saved yeah, yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. So right? we, we built we built saved and saved two, and then like, those got traction we, though, right? Actually, a lot of downloads. Yeah, yeah, like uh, two especially. And honestly, this shows like how immature we were. Very happy with uh, the design of it, development of it. You know, obviously <laughs> being satisfied with your product. Yeah, yeah we, we saved two. We did a bit of the business side of things. Like what's, doing, wait, before we, what's the comparable to save two? Um, you mean in terms of uh, what, like what like what, what is save two basically? Oh, okay, it, it's a sort of like 
uh, expense and budget tracker which just means like you you record like yeah. things you spend on and set budget so expense tracking is yeah. it personal close to expensify or uh, not really because expensify is more like more, keep track of an ex- submit expenses more, more like mint um, yeah, more like Mint. Yeah, okay. but a very manual version okay. of it. So yeah. you had so you had this product. Yeah, and we only got success honestly because um, we we did a bit of like outreach and PR and got really got marketing. Yeah, got like good features by Apple, you know that kind of thing. Okay, um, and uh, th- there's an element of being fortunate there as well to get. So it did get traction. Got a lot of downloads. Yeah, got a lot of downloads. Did, did pretty well commercially. I mean, enough to pay for development. Uh, you know, pay us back. Was the business model wrong? Uh, I think the business model was okay for the time. I mean, at the time period, I think that's what people kind of knew. So you basically put a price in the app store. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. like four ninety nine or something. Yeah. Don't do it today. You wouldn't yeah, do it today. Yeah. No, yeah, no one does that. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, um, so I guess you were following what was at the time. Yep. Yeah, correct. And if we kind of continue, we'd probably evolve as well. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we, okay. we just evolve with like, the economics of uh, you would know, switch it to subscription, right? Yeah, subscription. You know, whatever. Or, yeah. or, or maybe some service thing where the app is free, and then you're yes, gonna, correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pay for data or sharing. Uh, yeah, I don't know, something like that. Um, so we probably evolve it, but honestly, we lost a bit of steam due to like risk. We're like, okay, this is making money because we got well featured. It's like yeah. number one market. If you go to App Store app, you see it, and it was like, wow, that's for like the next version doesn't get featured or you know doesn't do that well oh man so you you were afraid of that you were, were you even looking at like retention data and what was valuable in the product at least oh uh, we were because we were we were slowly like adding more features and okay uh, so yeah you're you know, improving so on yeah, yeah. yeah and so but how, how to put it like um if we didn't get featured and get this like big spike in terms of um downloads we probably wouldn't like it probably covered the cost maybe if, if that you know but it, nowhere near like sustainable or, or profitable yeah uh, and so it, it just felt like a very big risk um, and you didn't think about getting funding or uh not not seriously we, okay. we did get like actually you entertained it though we, we, yeah. we did we did have, like people come and ask actually yeah. like in like government agencies and so on yeah. but then around that time was when you know we we started actually getting more like client work client work like in, ah, like serious so, you had to choose. so we had really had to choose ah, that's tough yeah maybe safer in terms of it'll be um more stable yeah you will get paid you know this amount you know it doesn't it depends on what your priorities were and what your risks were back then I yeah guess. yeah yeah it's really risk analysis and it's like what we're com- you know what we're comfortable with at that point in time do you think you guys were too risk conservative um i think not because we 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 like before that right before save two yeah. we uh we were like kind of bleeding and we we had that pain you know so at that point of time we we were like if if no one was going to save you then it kind of made sense to go for profitability yeah yeah, yeah. okay i could see that yeah and then oh i wouldn't even say profitability but do client work and be that that's su- that would, would feed you and you su- sustain yeah sustainable yeah. you know sustainable and be be more stable in that sense and then um and, and so so you, so we chose that path and uh no regrets no regrets you know uh it's been a few years but then i I think now we're at the stage to where we're able to take moonshots now (laughs) yeah we're we're able to sort of self-fund like small bets maybe exactly so you could take smaller bets do more iterations and uh, and we know we know how to do things a bit better now just in okay, terms of general fair. development, you know. So essentially, you got to get to a point where you had to, you built a machine that could run. Yeah. Well, yep. I mean, like you you are from what I'm hearing, you're kind of doing a lot yourself, and you need to probably learn how to make that more efficient. Yep. yep. But once you yep. figure that out, yep. 
then you have more time to go back to looking to owning products. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And, and so that that's like on our radar, you know, because in terms of client work, we're fairly stable now um, post-COVID, <laughs> post I think. And you, and you must definitely see a lot of gaps though, right? Um, so all, all, the, all the client work, all the, pe- all the problems you're seeing, there's got to be something you see that you could take. Um, I'd say, honestly, less than you might expect. Okay. Because a lot of our client work... Um, um, will sort of be like, especially if it's like for corporates, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a novel product per se, but it's like, we, we need this for our business, you know, we need a map, we need a channel for our customers or whatever, yeah. something like that. I don't and know, I would argue to find that common thread, maybe there's something in between the lines. Well, well actually, we look at, at opportunities in terms of maybe productizing like some of the technology. You know, mm, like okay, yeah. Maybe, you know, that, that's an obvious, I mean, it's not even secret, like a lot of companies yeah, 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 do yeah, that, yeah. so we, we could kind of explore that. that it, it requires focus, like maybe a bit more focus. Resources and focus. Expect, yeah, because yeah. to, to do something well for one project, it's okay, but to do something well that you can productize and use in lots of projects and other people can use in lots of projects, that's a whole... Well, I guess that's also the weakness of your choice of going for the sustainable. I mean, you yep. it, it was a function of force. You needed to do it. Yep. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be here talking today. Yeah, right? yeah. Potentially, uh, potentially. But at the same time, the way the, that business model scales doesn't almost allow for... Oh yeah, extra yeah. resources because it's almost linear. More clients means more engineers, yeah, yeah, bigger I mean, space. Uh, when we say scale uh, for ourselves, I mean yeah. for our business model, um, it's more projects, more people. One new project. Does it get to a point of economic scale where you have you can get better margin, or is it always going to be fixed? Um, the there's definitely more margin, but I, I wouldn't say it's uh it's not like an order of magnitude. Okay. We okay, get so, more so efficient. It's, it's, so that's what you. So that's what you mean by you're saying you should have enough to make small bets at least. Yeah, yeah. But but so we, it's, it's smaller resources because by nature of the model, it yeah, doesn't exactly. allow for much. Yeah. When you got a team of five, you just need a project, maybe nonstop, right? To for yeah. everyone. But when you got a team of fifty, if there are two or three people idling, it's probably still okay. That's fair. So yeah. if they're idling, you could invest a little bit. Yep. And say it gets any traction, then you could go out and raise separate funds for it actually then yep yep so that's kind of a nice little model you got there yep this is inspired by a lot of other agencies that kind of so they're kind of doing this break out and do yeah i i say typically a lot they're going to choose two paths so once the more like a bit more ambitious and then you really need a bit of funding to get the product out there and then um once maybe more smaller scale like you know idea for a SaaS kind of thing SaaS in what respect says like here's a tool to help write email templates for you that okay. you know like a yeah. thousand people in the world are going to find useful and if you talk about like addressable market size or something you probably yeah, yeah, yeah. don't see anything interesting from a VC so you're, perspective you're, yeah. you know? I mean you're, you're talking about chasing an idea versus maybe following a pain point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah definitely I mean I guess you, you I mean if it's, if it's small bets you could chase the ideas they're a bit bigger but it's a game of volume and time yeah, right? yeah, yeah, but you know, if you have a real pain point, I would say just go for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if your appetite is more like the the older we get, the, yeah. I mean, the the older the company gets, <laughs> the more like semi jaded we get. But we'd be pretty happy if we had the product that wasn't necessarily revolutionary, per but, se. But good success, good financial success. Yeah, good. Yeah. And when we talk good financial success, it, it's really, you know, MRR that that is that like feeds a team plus. You know some profits. That I mean, I think that's okay. that's I, honestly that's a good starting point. You should kind of focus there. But you know, I wouldn't undersell yourself. We're talking about 
the next five to ten years, six percent of the middle class will be coming from no, that, Asia. No, that's we're, true. we're talking that's about true. massive growth and it, yep. it's underserved in terms of SaaS and underserved that, in terms of problems. So yeah. and like having the skill set you have, if you could be a little bit more aggressive, even though it's just smaller bets right. and, and just getting them out there, yeah. I, I think over the next 10 years you're going to hit something right right uh, you, you just got to do it you know and right. adopt that mindset yeah that's a very uh compelling way of putting it i think actually because it's right it, man you got to yeah. do it yeah yeah and then snappy no. mom's going to unfurl yeah. on its own yeah know, yeah you you're, you're going to you're, you'll, you'll get there <laughs> don't don't be too jaded yes. you know, I, yes. I always am more positive than not though yes. so <laughs> okay uh, is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, no, no, no. I okay. mean, like, uh, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I will plug this yeah. podcast. You know, oh, I think th- thank a, you. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a very, for me, it was fun, but it's a very uh, interesting set of uh, interviews you've done before yeah. this. And uh, you know, you're so. definitely adding to it, and I really appreciate. I I stole way too much of your time. Yep, I took advantage. Yep. I'm so sorry. No problem. <laughs> but I really appreciate it, though. Cool. Thank you for supporting. Right. Thanks, Luke. Hey, listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of EOA. So what can we learn today? If you're looking for a software engineer, make sure they have self-interest and drive, which is often demonstrated in personal projects where they have solved problems that would have allowed them to grow and experience various different kinds of contexts. You can also see if they have demonstrated ways where they have helped others in specific domains that not many people are familiar with. For example, one of Alan's projects, Kiwi, a test-driven development library, was picked up by the likes of big companies such as Lyft and others. And further, he demonstrated answering hard questions related about what he was building in places like Stack Overflow. In addition, it's a common theme for great writing to be a strong signal of someone who has clear communication and thought, which is a very important aspect of software engineering because the discipline converges to people where many of the problems actually are. While you may never know 100% as a non-technical person if someone is truly a great software engineer, it's possible to increase your probabilities by finding the right signals, and it would be critical for you to lean on someone you trust to help validate your findings. Also, the framing of shipping fast versus collecting data, it's an inescapable truth, it seems. The faster you ship, the more debt you will have. And the better way to think about it is the consequence and impact and associated probabilities of certain types of debt, as it's very much possible to massively take on technical debt with no impact to business consequences, where it will get solved through other resources and means in the future. And it's equally possible to slowly pace technical debt with a consistent tempo of shipping product, as it will highly depend on context and goals in the team. We will have to stay tuned to Snappy Mob to see if they hit a massive success in one of their small bet moonshots or get client work that will allow them to build products that will reach hundreds of millions of users one day. See you guys back here for next week's episode.